When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sportsbook that gives you tools to win, like my bookie. And my bookie doesn't matter if your team's up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use my bookie for daily odds boost, same game parlays. I like teasers. And take advantage of the huge prize pool contest. Plus, my bookie currently has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit, withdraw, Quick, carries a one-time rollover, can't find that anywhere else. Just use promo code 49ers, 49ERS, or scan the QR code on this video right next to my face here to claim your own cash deposit bonus now. That's promo code 49ers. So try my money uh, money bag. Uh, you basically roll the dice, and it picks a team and gives you extraordinary extraordinary odds on who's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, lots of fun options there, so bet anything, anytime, anywhere, and I do mean anywhere, wherever you are, you can bet with my bookie. Just make sure you use the promo code 49ERS, and let's go. Let's make some money together. You're listening to the 49 Carrots Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carrots Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, October 18th. We're moving along through our seven stages of grief after 49ers loss. I think we're like at the acceptance stage now. Yeah, so we're just about say. ready. We're just about ready to move on. Uh, but I do have some questions for my guys, John, John Chapman and Wayne Breezy today. Question number one is first, like, how are you guys? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm over it. Uh, and as yeah. long as we dismantle and take the Vikings horns off their their helmets and whatever we need to do, I'll be even better. So I feel like that's where I am. I'm on that trend. It's time for the Niners to rebound and, and get that dub. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because the emails and DMs I received this week were a lot less. Is this the best 49ers team ever? And a lot more. All right, what do we got to fix? And so I feel like, I don't know, I hope that this same recall has happened kind of with the Niners players and coaching staff. Like, okay, we're not infallible. Mistakes happen. The NFL is the NFL. Let's figure out what we can do to make this unit better and improve. You got the wake-up call. How do you respond to that? You got two crazy games before your bye week, so let's put a quick patch on it. Survive. And, you know, every goal that you had before the season is still in fact. So it's definitely not one of those the sky is falling, but you learn from it and you get better. And that's what I'm hoping to figure some of out today with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the 49ers are five and one now. That's still a really great record. Still the the best record is that, you know, three teams have that same record right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, the 49ers are still in a good spot. But the second question that I wanted to ask you guys, and I'm going to I'm going to preface it with saying that uh, like what we already know, you know, the 49ers started the season five and zero, undefeated. They looked great Sunday, though, obviously played an ugly game in basically like every facet of the game. There was some ugliness to it. Um, they had penalties. Uh, they had 12 penalties on Sunday, 105 yards on what we could call like a pretty poorly officiated game. I think we could all agree on that, but regardless, the 49ers have committed the second most penalties of any team this season with 45 
Only the Cowboys have more. And just one more. They, they have 46. So the 49ers are also now ranked 29th in penalties averaged per game. So not great. Uh, we also had missed tackles on Sunday. And PFF had the 49ers with 10 missed tackles, more than they had in their previous three games combined. Um, and this was at least part of the reason why the Browns had success on the ground, what we saw on Sunday. And, you know, we had Brock getting pressured a ton again. Um, and him, as a result, you know, struggling, not being able to find that rhythm, missing open guys. And even when he wasn't under pressure, like he he kind of struggled. And we'd seen in the past, like he's been able to kind of correct that in game. In this one, it didn't really happen. But that happens, right? Uh, we, we move on. Um, and then we also had Jake Moody missing kicks again, something that he hadn't done since the preseason. He was perfect up until uh, week six. So with all of that in mind, I know that was a lot, <laughs> but with all that in mind, I ask you guys, what from the loss was, do you think was already becoming a bad trend and it, it just kind of came to life in a loss on Sunday? Or do you think could be a bad trend for this team going forward? Yeah, I don't see it being a bad trend. Um, I see it being a lesson learned. Um, and so the Niners came into the game. You, you talked about, um, you know, the penalties. I, I feel like to me, that's the most important thing that they have to figure out. Right. Yeah. Because I feel like the Niners are just playing undisciplined football, like false starts, holdings. Like those are the things that you just don't they're going to happen. But you're, you're just hoping that, you know, your team doesn't sell it or whatever they have to do you don't want your team causing certain penalties right and so like a lot of those penalties did a lot of things to the to offense and to Brock Purdy I mean it kind of like made him have to go from first and 10 or a big gain to first and um 20 and 25 and 30 and so that just changes up like the play calls it play it changes up what Brock sees out there on the football field it changes up how the defense now is going to attack the, the offense and so it changes up a lot of a lot of stuff right and so I think the penalties are the thing that they need to meet and have find ways to correct and and things like that I think if they start there everything else falls back into place this game was kind of like that anomaly I think this will be the worst game we've seen from San Francisco and I know we got a lot of games left but I think this will be the worst one and there are many reasons why so if you go back to the beginning of this game there was you talked about missed tackles you said we had 10 well guess who 10 missed tackles we were missing five seven he, yeah, he, yeah. he didn't play in this game and I know a lot of people said hey we'll be just fine well we would have been fine but they decided to screen the heaven out of the you know the San Francisco 49ers which Ornberg struggled and I'm curious to know Steph if you have the stats on who had the most missed tackles and I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ornberg's in this particular game but like that was it like that was the game plan they 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 attacked our weakness and our weakness was missing even though Fred Warner had probably the best game of his life this season like you know started off high with the interception which could have been a pick six even though it wasn't oh well we got the ball couldn't score off of that opportunity right but I just feel like 57 missing all the penalties and it just led to the domino effect and then everything else just started falling down and we lost by two points and you got to talk about Jake Moody missing the kicks like he can't miss kicks like you're a kicker you can't miss but we have to say it's going to happen. The same way we just said Brock Purdy is going to have a bad game. 
well, our kicker had a bad game. It happens. We have to be consistent as fans, as well as analysts, as well as content creators. Like, just be consistent with it. And I feel like it's not fair that Brock gets the pass, the kicker doesn't get the pass, the kicker lost the game, but Brock didn't lose the game. The whole team lost, and it sucked. And we want to play the blame game. But if you go back to it, if the 49ers correct themselves just off of penalties alone, they win this game by a mile, even with the missed throws, even with the pressures in Brock face, even with the missed field goals, they just correct those silly mistakes. They still win this game. Yeah, it, it was there. And, you know, pick it up on Jake Moody. The dude has been Steph Sanchez out there through, you know, five weeks done miss. Dude hit every one. You and- trying to say she missed? No, she he was <laughs> Steph Sanchez. I just wanted to make sure you wasn't a I ne- like I never six, ah, he, he was John about. Chapman. You know what I'm saying? I'm that he, he stepped down just a little bit. So and you know that and Wayne, you talk about like you know, placing blame or whatever. The problem is whenever you have the bad and bad, like the bad kicker game, the bad IU game, which I consider a very poor game, the bad quarterback game, the bad Shanahan game, all those things compounded to a two-point loss. The penalties, I think, had a lot to do with injuries. Whenever Debo went out, when CMC went out, the 49ers were the most motion-heavy team in the NFL before this game. Now they're no longer because all those injuries happened so early, and we saw that one where like everything was messed up with you know Kyle Juszczyk and Ray-Ray McLeod, and we got the delay game. Shanahan should have used a timeout there, one of the worst managed situations all game. I was very upset. Uh, pushed us out of field goal range, and – once those injuries and you got to practice and you got to make sure Ray Ray's a vet. He should have known. And when Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, and you even had to use Kyle use as a running back much more so because of the injuries. I felt like the, those are depth players. Those are veteran players that just weren't ready to step up. And I think that that hurt a lot on the offensive side. And we lost one of our biggest advantages against this, you know, Browns defense. They suck against motions. And when the injuries happened, we had to limit that because we kept messing up and delay of games and false starts. And we're just like, fine, let's just go basic. And you can't do that against a Jim Schwartz defense. And that hurt us. I love that you brought up Drake Greenlaw. I think that's a big deal. You asked the question, who had the most missed tackles? According to Pro Football Focus, it was Demo. Yeah. Who's like one of the best tackling corners in the NFL? Wow. I, I did not. He had three. Um, he had what, a great which, game, by the way. Like, I, game. despite that, the whole team, you know, kind of struggled with missed tackles and maybe weather played a fact. I don't know. But he had a great game. I'll, I'll give him that. But he did have three. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to hijack this show for a brief second. I, I know we're going to talk trades. And I, I put something out on Twitter today and it was just very bland. If the 49ers did trade for something, what would you want to trade for? And everybody keeps saying corner. I, yeah, don't, I don't understand, understand. that. Yeah. Like, if you trade for a corner, who's coming off the field? Isaiah Oliver might be one of the better defensive players we've had so far this year. Charvarius Ward's the freaking man. Demo put your team in a chance to win. Yeah, he tripped one play. That's an issue. But that's not a cause for removal of the park. Like, if you did trade for a corner, where the hell are they going to go? Who, uh, who are you moving? I don't know. I don't know. That's just just Niner fans, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, because everyone's like Patrick Sertain. For one, Patrick Sertain is not getting traded. I'm sorry. He was never going to be traded. He was never on the trade block. The Broncos would not do that. As dumb as they are, 
They're not that dumb. All right. Um, yeah. So let's just move on from that one. Cause like, I love I that agree. you're in Colorado and you threw that in there. I, I felt it. Yeah. I, felt I, I mean, it. I, I have to, I'm, re- <laughs> I'm very close to the situation here and it's not nice. They're down bad out here, but uh, so things could be worse for the 49ers. Always remember that. But you know, for me, I think one of the trends that we're seeing is that, you know, Brock is getting pressured a lot and, and I, I expect that to continue. So like pressuring or blitzing him seems to be the only way to slow him down. You could say that for a lot of quarterbacks though. So it's not like an indictment on Purdy at all. It's just the facts right now that Purdy has also proven that he can overcome it, which is a great thing. And he can do it in game. You know, we've, we've talked about, you know, he could adjust and, and, you know, beat the blitz after, you know, being blitzed a historic amount against the Giants. He'd come back and and look great and and dice him up, right? That just didn't happen in this game. And and John, I do think that like injuries were a factor as well. Um, I, I do think the motion thing was a huge thing. They were like stagnant after some of those injuries. They were just not motioning and the Browns struggled against that. So I was a little surprised by that. I was a little disappointed by that. Um, but be that as it may. Uh, you know, I, I do also feel like the penalties are an issue for this team. That's a trend that we had been seeing. They need to dial that in. I I felt like the previous two weeks before week six, they were improving in that. And then week six, they get 12 penalties, right? And you can you can say that some of that was because this was just like a terribly officiated game. They were calling like everything. Even the Browns had like 10 penalties. Uh, but on the season... The 49ers have eight false starts, five offensive holding calls. So those are just ones on the offensive side that I'm looking at because we saw on Sunday that put them behind the sticks a ton against the Browns and against a really good defense. You can't do that. You're just not going to dig yourself out of that hole. So penalties is something like I really want them to fix, not just on the offensive side, of course, but, you know, as a whole, as a team, um, and I'll just say this one nugget. If you were worried about the missed tackles, the 49ers still have the least amount of missed tackles on the season. Like despite having missed 10 on Sunday, I really just think that was a blip. And and I don't think we're going to see that from them again uh, going forward as it being a trend. You know, maybe we see it in, in another game where they play sloppy. Sure. But I don't see that being a trend. Uh, look, so we've talked about the trends. Let's get to things that maybe won't be an issue in most games, but could be an issue against some really good teams because I had some thoughts after watching uh, the game on Sunday. And I'm thinking like games down the line, stretch of the season, like playoffs, things like that. So I'm thinking ahead here. This isn't like something I'm worried about right now because I'll just start with the offensive line. I think at the start of the season, a lot of us were skeptical about the 49ers offensive line. And as the season progressed, I think we then became like, you know, kind of more optimistic. And, you know, some of us maybe cautiously optimistic, but still optimistic. Um, after week six, the 49ers pass protection um, composite rating uh, remains at 21. I'm honestly surprised it didn't drop at all. They were also 21 uh, last week. But I think my confidence level sure dropped a bit. And I do want to mention that I do understand that the Browns are a really good defense, a really good defense. Their defensive line was all over the place. And they were 
like if you watched all 22, it was ugly. Trent was getting beat. Banks was getting beat. Guys we never worry about were getting beat on Sunday. And it's not, it's not again, like an indictment on Trent or, or Banks. It's just that that's how good the Browns defensive line was on Sunday. Most weeks, the 49ers offensive line is going to be good enough and Brock Purdy will get the ball out quickly and perform well enough that the offensive line won't even matter, you know. Um, and so I'm not worried about next week. I'm not worried about the week after that. I'm worried about when this team faces another tough defensive line. I'm thinking playoffs, you know, that because that's likely when you'll be facing a very tough defensive line every week. Think Eagles, think Lions. Like these are teams in your conference who you're going to have to face uh, most likely. I mean, Eagles in week 13, Lions could very well face them in the playoffs. Um, and so when uh, I saw another team who dominates the trenches on both sides of the ball, like I, I see the 49ers as, you know, maybe not being up to that level, at least right now in week six. So curious to know, what you guys think, like, is this a concern for you guys? Not now, but maybe, like, in the future. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or fight for home playoff court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. And Prize Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured. For basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player projection won't count against you and the rest of your entry stays live. There's lots of bets. Stephen Curry, over 27.5 points. Draymond Green, will he make one three-pointer or no? Very easy things to bet. Download the app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the Prize Picks app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. It's a good question, right? I I I was never I never tried to put out that this was the best or top offensive line in football. Like, I already knew that the offensive line was going to be a work in progress. It was going to take time. They have to build continuity. But for this offense, this offensive line could be the best if they play their offense. Like, they play their style of offense. What do I mean by that? I mean, because a lot of people, we didn't see it this Sunday. But, you know, John talked about it earlier. Like, the injury to Debo Samuel might have been the most detrimental to the team. And when he left the game, it changed the motion game, it it allowed the defense to focus on who? Christian McCaffrey, where they just said, hey, we're going to run blitz. We're going to take him out. And so when you're missing those pieces, yeah, the offensive line is going to look terrible um, because the offensive line is built to get the ball out of the hand quick, block for a couple of seconds, get their big behinds down the field and block again, and then block again, and then block again until you get into the end zone. That's this offensive line. This is not the offensive line that got the big bodies up there that's going to block for 4.5 seconds or whatever to allow the quarterback to the play to develop all the way down. The, it's just not built that way. We don't have those type of guys, but we do have type of guys that got quick feet, that could get out, 
especially when the pass, the ball's out of the quarterback's hand and they get down the field and they continue to block. We've seen a legal man down the field a couple times this year. I'm sure that's a penalty that was called at least once on Trent Williams. But my point is when this offense is right, when the offense is together, when the offense is healthy, we don't struggle that much against the run blitzing and all that stuff because we get the ball of our hands quick and then you have the screen. You saw in the first play – uh, the touchdown throw, it was a it was a it was a halfback screen. And he shovel passes it because Miles Garrett gets lost in the sauce. Like, and so like that, that's what the Niners game plan was against that ferocious pass rush. They, they were gonna get you caught and then get it out quick screen. And then we didn't get a chance to see the Debo screen. We set him up with the with the uh the um the jet sweep, but that got him injured. And then next thing you know, he's out of the game. And then with Trent Williams, yeah, he got beat. He was playing on one leg, one ankle. I, I don't expect him to be good, but I do expect and appreciate his heart. But the Niners, I'm, I'm, they gave up three sacks on paper. But come on, you watch the tape. Those sacks weren't sacks. <laughs> one was a fumble, <laughs> fell on the ball. The other wasn't even a real sack because he his knee was down while he was trying to throw the ball. And then there was one more that I don't even remember. But they were sex. I get it. You give them to them. You credit them. I just think that's why and I said that to say that I think that's why that number stayed the same because it's as bad as the offensive line looked to our eye test. It really wasn't as bad. It's just that the offense couldn't find rhythm to flow. And if it did, if the offense was on their game plan and being able to flow, I think those injuries really set this offense back this past week. And that's why everybody struggled. Yeah, yeah. To go with Wayne, not one sack was attributed to a 49ers offensive lineman this week. Uh, all of them were against Brock Purdy. He Purdy. accounted for all three. Uh, and, you know, if they're bringing six, which they blitzed, I think, 14 times. Um, no, 11 times. Sorry. Like, you block at five. You got five guys. They bring six. The quarterback has to account for the unblocked guy. And twice he did not do that, resulted in sacks. And so that's an issue there. Now, you talked about number 21, offensive line protection. If we look at what the 49ers have built this team around, it wasn't the offensive line. You look across NFL spending, the 49ers offensive line is 27th in the NFL. So you can make the argument they're outperforming what they're getting paid. This is where they decided to go cheap and stay with continuity over blue chip type players. Yeah, you got Trent. Yeah, you drafted Aaron Banks second. He's still in his rookie deal. Everybody else, you're piecing this together. And so you've got three out of five kind of not journeymen, but you're talking day three or later picks. And so you get what you pay for. And when you build your team around the defensive line and skill position players and those skill position players get hurt and D line did all right, they did pretty well, but I wouldn't say they had their best game. That's the issue. So the 49ers have predicated this offensive line on establishing the run, which they couldn't do because the run run blitz is nonstop up the middle, run the ball outside the tackles. Kyle Shanahan, it was open all game. Um, when CMC went out, he just he threw those plays out of the playbook. And the one time he did run it outside the tackles with Jordan Mason, it was a one-play touchdown drive. And then after that, he never went back to it. And so it, it all kind of glumps together, and it's a wake-up call. I love that Kyle started the press conference was, yeah, blame's on me. I got to do better. I love hearing that. I, I love the way that all of the players responded 
to this loss. And how much of that is just coach speak? Yeah, whatever else. We're going to find out pretty damn soon in primetime. And the whole NFL is sitting there going to watch the 49ers versus Vikings, and they're going to have one of two responses. One, ah, oh, yeah, they are weak. Or two, damn, it was just a blip. That was it. Mm-hmm. Damn, they are that good. And I think it's going to be that latter response that everybody's going to react with. Yeah, I, I think we know that it will be too. Um, but I mean, I guess it does. It's too early to really like worry about you know the Eagles and the Lions of of the world. Um, but you know, I also feel like it's not it's not too early to think about those things. But at the same time, the offensive line does have time to continue to get better. And I think to your point, John, like yeah, it was one of the areas, one of the units where they decided to go cheap. That's what a lot of fans had issue with, right? That's why a lot of fans are like, how are you going to go cheap when you see the Eagles' defensive line and you see how much they dominated um, in the NFC Championship? I I know yeah. what happened. I was team, fine but. going cheap. The thing that made me scratch my head was that they didn't even draft one lineman. And then it was right. like, okay, if we're just going to go cheap rookie deals, whatever else, but they didn't even draft one. That was where it was just like, what what's happening here? Um, so yeah, we'll see there back to the trade thing. Like nobody trades offensive linemen is one of the hardest positions to trade in the NFL. That would be ideal, yeah. but they're not laying around and it's not like, what are you going to trade for a right tackle? Colton McKivitz isn't the reason why this yeah, game no, went the way it went. He's solid. He's solid. Um, yeah. And PG asked, do we need some O-line help? Like it, even if they did, it's like, you're, you're not going to get any, <laughs> like most likely because teams, really covet their offensive linemen, you know? So I, I don't think we're really going to see a lot of trades for offensive linemen. Um, and so I, I, I honestly think like the 49ers are probably fine. They could figure it out. They can improve. They can, you know, build that cohesion and they're not going to be playing the Browns offensive line every single week. So they're, they're going to be okay. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, when it comes down the stretch uh, and assuming everyone's healthy, like, you know, they'll be able to step up in those moments. Uh, talking head and shout out for the uh, donation. He said, thoughts on Eagle signing Julio Jones. Good signing, in my opinion. Um, I'll let you guys start first on this one. I, I just think they, they add some depth. Uh, yeah. They're probably not confident in who's their third wide receiver after Devontae Smith, who kind of fell off the face of the planet after A.J. Brown started demanding the ball. So I think they, they get veteranship, they get depth, but I mean, Julio isn't Julio anymore. Like he's a different man. He's a different football player. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be beneficial to him. It's probably a low risk, high reward type of assigning for them. If if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, oh, well, it didn't cost him much. So uh, I don't see much coming from Julio this year. Yeah. I mean, he's on the practice squad and so, he can go out there and run some go routes or some deep outs. Like that's kind of what he does. It was funny in one of my fantasy football chats, somebody said this is like Jerry Rice going to the Seahawks. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I looked it up and it came up with this. Jerry Rice went to the Seahawks after six games in the season, very similar to Julio. Rice finished that year 25 catches, 362 yards, three touchdowns. Not that bad. So then I started looking at Julio Jones. Julio Jones hasn't had a year that eclipsed those numbers since 2020. So it's been three years. Julio Jones about to be 34 years old this year. Jerry Rice was 42 years old that season. So I'm just going to say low expectations. 
Yeah, and the difference too is like Julio Jones has kind of struggled with some injuries, which kind of, you know, lost him some of the juice that he did have. So yeah, this is purely depth, I think, for the Eagles. I don't think it's really gonna um sure it's a good signing, you know, for depth. Uh, no I, I don't think it's gonna make an impact on their season at all down the stretch. Um, we have another donation from red and gold blooded shout out you. Um, he said, honest question, our opponents head hunting CMC. I mean, teammates definitely feel like, you know, they are, I mean, two weeks in a row now that we've seen him get like the face mask call. Uh, and I mean, he's had a few of those this year already. So it's kind of hard to say it's a little of, you know, to stop CMC, you do have to be very physical with him. And so sometimes that's that's not going to look pretty. Uh, sometimes it's going to look maybe dirty at times. That's really the only way you're going to bring him down. Like, because he does not go down. He is such a tough runner. and He doesn't go down on first contact. So you kind of have to be desperate and do desperate things in order to get him down. And I think that's what we're seeing from teams. I don't know if it's like a concerted effort to actually like hurt McCaffrey I really don't think it is but there's no denying that there's some extracurricular stuff going on with uh Christian McCaffrey yeah I mean I don't mind players playing physical this is football play as physical as you can but just play by the rules don't grab the face mask in the discussion you grab a fit now if it's incidental that's one thing these don't look incidental like his face masks are like they're they're going they're trying to get him up high and next thing you know Boom, it's grabbed, it's a turn. I mean, you could literally break his neck, and like that's like the only way you'll take him out. I mean, luckily for the Cleveland Browns, he left this game with an oblique injury, but I attest that to Kyle Shanahan running him up the gut on halfback delays with run blitzes. But at the end of the day, I think that there's a little head hunting or targeting. You got to take him out, right? right? Like, stop Christian McCaffrey. These are the results. And so I feel like that's what's going on. And and great defense tried. It worked. Now he didn't play the game. Niners end up losing. But, um, yeah, I think this is something that's going to – we need to keep our eye on. And I'm um, hoping Christian McCaffrey plays on Monday, and we'll see if it happens again in Minnesota. If Christian McCaffrey plays and he is face mask on that first drive, I'm sorry. This is – it's head hunting. It's, it, that's exactly what it is. You know, it, it's weird because I feel like there's two different types of personal fouls. There's the personal fouls that get called. Then there's the personal fouls that get fined. So there's two different levels. Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey's had six fines against him, and that's not even counting this week. He's going to get a couple more, not against Christian McCaffrey, but against the people hurt, you know, hitting him, face masks, all that stuff. And we get this label back to Dre Greenlaw. How many personal fouls has Dre Greenlaw had this year? He had like four, I think. Guess how many got fined? Zero. Zero. And so, like, I get that the 49ers are a physical team, and I get that, you know, we go out there and we're, we beat up teams physically, and teams try to match that. But like Wayne said, they're not doing it legally. Do I think that there is a, hey, guys, go grab his face mask during this game conversation like Sean Payton or Greg Williams type trash, you know, GM's coaches? No, I don't. Um, another shot there on Denver. Uh, but <laughs> I do think everybody understands we got to do whatever necessary. Penalties don't matter right here. Just do whatever you can. So I don't think it's this intentional, you know, go out there and grab his face mask or whatever. But I do think that it's this trying to overcompensate for the physical play of the 49ers and culture of the 49ers. And teams can't do it legally. 
They have to do it with all these BS whatever. And I, I hate to see it, but CMC's that damn good. And I can't wait for 5-7 to come back out and dole, give oh. out some damage. You know oh, what I'm saying? So. Ooh, he was yeah, missing. I mean, it's it's pretty flattering, actually, to for teams to, you know, almost admit without saying it. You know, they're doing it though. They're they're pretty much saying that hey, this is the only way that we could stop this man. So if we get you know 15 yard penalty for it, we're gonna live with that as long as he doesn't score, right? So that's that's what team opposing teams are are at right now. Um, all right, well, let's move along here. Uh, look, to, to circle back on like the offensive line and just kind of like finish that discussion, still early in the season, there's time for them to improve. Uh, and when it comes to trench play, I'm, I'm not just talking about one side of the ball, right? I feel like there is a sense that the 49ers defensive line has been a disappointment so far this season to some fans and you know, people aren't seeing the sack numbers they were used to when the 49ers offensive line were on a tear last year, right? Uh, currently, this season, they are sixth in pressures, ninth in pressure rate. But when it comes to getting home, they are 16th. So very much middle of the pack when it comes to getting the sacks. Why do you guys think that there's been a lack of the big plays for the defensive line? And like, do you think that this will be a problem moving forward? It's just the simple fact that the offensive game plan against our defensive line is to get the ball out of the hand quickly of the quarterback. I didn't even know PJ Walker was a quick time thrower. I'm sure you got his numbers uh, as far as how quickly he was able to get the release out. But look at all the screen plays they ran in that game. And those are quick throws. Right. And so like that negates the pass rush, just like right off the top. Again, that's how the Niners were planning to negate their pass rush. It's just that we lost two players that heavily based off of our screen game. You lose your top two screen players. It's going to be tough to win uh, a game. Uh, and so like, like that's probably why we're not seeing the high sack pressures and all that. I mean, we're getting the pressures, but we're not getting the sack numbers and things like that. And it's at some point, I feel like it's going to wither out. Like at some point teams are going to just be like, you know what, man, bump this. Like they're going to play their normal style of football. But right now, no one's playing normal against the San Francisco defense. And there's a reason they don't want to get sacked. That's the reason. And it's effective, right? Because on certain with in this past game, when you get, when you got the screen going against him, you don't got your best screen buster out there you're going to negate and give up all those yards. So as far as the defensive line, I'm not worried. As long as you keep telling me that those pressures are there, that means they're doing their job. Can they get home? That's another question. But now add the context of what the offenses are doing to like counter against the pass rush. Yeah, I, I like that. And I do think that there was a missing element. I think we had three-fourths of a defensive line. Uh, the backside end opposite Bosa has been terrible outside of week one. And I think that's why they traded for Randy Gregory. I think Drake Jackson has been an uh, absolute disappointment this year. And I think he should be getting maybe 10 snaps a week moving forward. Uh, week one was awesome. Since then, dude's been a non-factor. Um, and I think that's a big reason why they traded. Randy Gregory comes in. He got three pressures and like 15 snaps. And got mm -hmm. a sack and a tackle for loss and a quarterback hit. So, I think that the answer, the Niners have two weeks till the trade deadline. And so if Randy Gregory can continue to bring that involvement on such limited snaps, hopefully he gets more snaps as we move forward. But 
I think the answer is there. And if it's not there, you got two weeks to figure out. Then you go get somebody like a Daniel Hunter. Like if, if I was to say who the Niners trade for, we're playing them this week. It's Daniel Hunter, uh, who I think you can get with for two thirds and a future fifth, like something really because the Vikings have no leverage whatsoever. Aspiring contract, cheap deal. Like you can make this work. But if Randy Gregory pans out, Niners are going to sit tight, I think, at the defensive end spot personally. So, yeah, I hope the sacks come, but you got the number one defense. Why do you want sacks, right? So that you can have an effective defense. You could have all the sacks in the world and not have a good defense. Niners have the number one defense from points scored. That is at the bare minimum. You limit the amount of points scored. You score more points than the other team. You win the game. So overall, the defense is doing their job. You gave up 19 points and lost. Offense didn't handle their end. I think the defense wasn't great, but I don't think the defense was bad. And Kyle Shanahan even said the only reason why we had an opportunity to win this game was because the defense kept us in it all game. Uh, was it perfect? No. But just put everything into perspective. Number one defense is way more important than lots of sacks. We love the sacks. I get it. But I prefer to be first in defense over first in sacks personally. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the defense is going to give you a chance every time. And they, it, even in a bad game uh, for the entire team, even in a bad game for the defense where, you know, they, they allowed, you know, more rushing yards than we're accustomed to seeing as well. They gave them chances, uh, the offense, yeah. some chances to, to bring this game home. Um, and Randy Gregory, he was awesome in his very first game with the team. And that was just after two and a half practices with the team as well. So you can imagine, you know, what he's going to be doing when he gets even more time with Chris Kosarek, with the rest of these guys. He only played 26 snaps on Sunday. He had the three pressures of uh, 15 pass rushing snaps. He had the three pressures, a sack, three quarterback hits. He had the two tackles for loss as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, That's they really, game. That's yeah, a game. that is, yeah, and like it puts opposing teams on notice too, because it's like, oh man, you weren't worried about Clinton Farrell and Drake Jackson, but wait till you see Randy Gregory. You got to account for him now. You got to account for him now, and that means that could potentially open things up for other guys. This is like literally what we had been like hoping for and kind of like waiting for, because we we knew that Nick Bosa is getting a ton of attention, and rightfully so. He's he's really good. Uh, but you need something to offset that. And I think Randy Gregory, based on what we saw on Sunday, is capable of doing that. And and speaking of like the trade deadline, it's uh the trade deadline is October 31st. That's a Tuesday. And so the 49ers did already trade for Gregory in a move that they, you know, barely gave anything up for. So I kind of feel like they they still got one left in them if they really wanted. They have the money, they have the draft capital. Um, if they deem it necessary, right? So John Lynch said he's happy with the guys they have right now, and that very well could be true. But I don't, I don't like overreact to a loss. But at the same time, I'm like, hmm, maybe we could get better. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know. Are you guys like ruling anything out? And I know we've talked about some positions that maybe the 49ers would be interested in. You know, we talked about like offensive line a little bit, but. We probably agree that's probably not going to happen just because teams aren't, you know, exactly making offensive linemen available. Talked about corners where we're not really interested in that so much. Uh, but what other like positions would you even be interested in improving for the 49ers if you could? 
I don't know. Like, um, for me, it's still it's so early in the season, and this this team has not even hit their stride. Like, even in even going five and zero, they still had plenty of room to improve under, especially on the defensive side under new tutelage with uh, Steve Wilkes and and things like that. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he goes after a player or two he's familiar with. Um, you know, like a Jeremy Chen, which I know people don't want another cornerback, but if you add that to the mix, I mean, now your depth is a lot better. Um, sure. he can play safety, he can play nickel. So now that now, now, now that's that that's changing the conversation a little bit while you still work out that front. But I think I'm with John, like, I, I can't imagine them getting a big name at in, but somebody that can provide them with some, some more pressure. I don't know if you can go back and try to get one of the guys that you recently let go to free agency, see if they're possibly choice. Like, cause I'm sitting here saying, listening. And I'm like, yo, Nick Bosa went off last year with same amount of attention and Samson Ebukam and Charles Amenahu. So mm-hmm. is it that Farrell? Drake Jackson just aren't it, even though I thought Farrell had his best game last Agreed. week. Um, is it that they're not it, or is it too soon to tell? So, like, I it, it's so weird for the 40. They're in a weird place to make a trade. I think they got Randy Gregory. They're going to test that out and ride that out and see what happens. Yeah. And also, too, you got to see what's available to have a trade. You got to have a willing partner. And right now, the NFL is weird as hell. And one of my least favorite things about the NFL is how early the trade deadline is. I wish they bump it back three more weeks. Remember, yeah, I I really do. Because like, okay, you look at the teams. Okay, you got the Giants. Ah, you're talking to coach of the year, Brian Dayball. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to stick it out? We'll see. They're one and five. Chicago, they're one and five. I think they're a sell team. That's why a lot of people keep bringing up Jalen Johnson. But again, corner's an issue. Carolina, they're 0-6. Owner and we've taken everything for the Panthers. We got their coach. We got their best player. We we, we took it all. Uh, we got their last coach fired, so that's an option. But then you look at, like, Arizona, they're not trading with us. One of You talked earlier, Wayne, about getting a skill guy. Corderell Patterson makes a lot of sense. Shanahan's yeah. talked about Corderell Patterson. They're yeah. not using them, but they're three and three. They're a half game out of first place in that terrible division. Will yeah, they trade? I think they talked about actually moving on from him. In yeah. That. So it's a possibility. Would. I would love that, especially if Debo or CMC is going to be out for extended time, which I don't think they will, especially with the bye week coming. So it's just difficult to find trading partners i think the only two teams everybody likes to trade out of conference the patriots belichick might get fired i don't see him selling assets and the denver broncos who we talked about at length um so my realistic trade expectation is daniel hunter but we'll see if that comes to fruition or not yeah daniel hunter i know a lot of people mentioned brian burns too that's like the the dream that we've you know been trying I to conjure up Brian for Burns. the last like year or so yeah, um i mean it's with your option so like they haven't they're 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 not working on a deal right now yeah. nope. and what would that take to get a brian burns two first plus and you got to sign them 20 million dollars plus to a long-term deal how in the 40 how could the 49ers do that are you gonna trade two first and let them play out this year then let them walk for a third round comp pick that's terrible so you don't do that I, I the so price you just, is just, so you just high. I mean you it's right? terrible, but you can. Let's say you get a Super Bowl out of it. Like God, two first for can, a guy to play 12 games. 
But do you th- why do you think you would take two first? Because are you looking at uh, what the Rams had offered right. last year? They it turned that down now. Yeah, it'd be less yeah, but now. Now they're zero and six. He's playing on a year option. I mean, it's only sixteen million dollar deal. It won't cost you much this year. It's going to cost at least. They turned down two firsts because they wanted two first plus. So at least a first round pick. So you right. would trade a first round pick for a twelve game rental. Mm. Uh, y'all's heads did the y'all did the same thing. <laughs> <It was> also, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want him. Yeah, I, I want him, but that is price. Yeah, I want him, but you know what? I also don't want him going to another contender, and that's mm. likely what's he's going, going to happen. He's, he's right? going to Seattle, like or the Rams. Oh, dude, like, don't say that. Do. Don't say that. I swear <laughs> to God, Wayne. If that <laughs> happens, I am because, cutting up that clip, and I am yeah. saying, blame Wayne. Blame don't blame Wayne, me. Blame John for saying I don't want to give up two first round picks. You. This is a guy. This is a guy like at the end of the day, like we just don't need the picks. Like we like we we're figuring it out. Right. We've been trading picks been moving on from picks. I want the picks. I want to draft in the first round. I want to go back to the draft. I want to do all that. But you're getting a Brian Burns. You said you want somebody opposite of Nick Bosa. Well, you there you go. Like, like, look no further. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you all this. OK, we're, we're in a GM room right now and we've got two trades on the table and you get a vote. You can get Brian Burns for two firsts, or you can get Daniel Hunter for two thirds and a fifth round pick. I mean, which you one go with, you go with, Dan? You go with Daniel Hunter. But let's say Daniel yeah. Hunter's not there, and you have an option of getting somebody like a Brian Burns. Now, that's the question, right? Like, that's where I want to stand. I'm going to go with that deal because I know Daniel Hunter will still be productive. He would still be able to win his one on one matchups, and he's still a great defender, and it didn't cost you much. So I'm picking that deal over any day. But Let's say he ain't there, and let's say right. it is Brian Burns, and let's say they want two first-round picks. I would do it if we could lock him up long-term well, in a way. I think that's the only way yeah. John Lynch does that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. a promise to sign the extension. We got to have that deal in which place would, before that trade. Which would be done. a good move, though, because then you wouldn't have to worry about Ooh, Edge for we, years. For and I'm cool years. He's five years. But if yeah. that happens now, and I hate to do this, I'm I, I'm I pity, I'm a pity party guy. You're 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 cutting guys like Kyle Uzcheck next year. You know, okay. people walking out. We're the not door. even using Kyle Uzcheck this year. So at the yeah. end of the day, but yeah, I'd love yeah, that Brian Burns. No disrespect to Kyle Uzcheck because every time I say something about player. I'm just getting. I don't mean it. Anymore, I'm just trying <laughs> he's to. to have a, he's, he's about to have a, like a touchdown on a wheel route on on Monday night. <laughs> I right. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying, like Brian Burns or Kyle Yushek. Yeah, but it's more than that. It's Brian Burns, no, two I first know. round picks, and twenty million dollars. Yeah, I got you. I mean, it's way more than twenty, by the way. I like mean, 26. it's it's unlikely to happen anyway, but yeah, it's can, not going to happen. I'm just yeah, it's like, like we can we can dream, right? We can dream. <laughs> uh, you know, look, if the 49ers did make another trade ahead of the deadline, I think it would be more likely that it ends up being for like a depth piece, which is not a bad thing. The 49ers no. could use depth at a number of different positions, I think, and with their first taste of some injuries, I think it might it might get them thinking. Thinking a little bit, Cordell Patterson is is definitely, I guess, an option. Although they're kind of deep at at running back, kind of. Yeah, but they're um, not deep at the weapon. Of- he would be the Debo position. Yeah, Debo. He's Ray Ray plus at yeah. all Ray those Ray things. Plus, I like and that. So, <laughs> I do like. Yeah, Ray Ray I. Though. 
I'm with you. I do like uh, Cordell Patterson. He was a really great weapon for them uh, last year. And yeah, this year they're just not using him. So, and uh, Shanahan's been on record two times he was up for contracts about how much he liked Cordell and how he tried to get him not once, but twice before and missed both times. Good point. And that'd be crazy if they they got him and McCaffrey like on the field at the same time. Like what? Yeah, okay. But, um, you know, speaking of those guys, we got some injury updates, of course. Christian McCaffrey, we haven't really gotten like anything official, anything Nothing like concrete, really right? concrete. Yeah, yeah, but what it sounds like right now, and Matt Miyoko said this yesterday, is that it seems like it's more so a pain tolerance thing for Christian McCaffrey's injury. Again, like we don't really have like an actual diagnosis to go off of. I don't even know if it's like the ribs or oblique yet. Like I don't even think they've clarified that much. But if it's just a pain tolerance issue, streets are saying that Christian McCaffrey could play on Monday night. And, you know, they got an extra day of rest. So that can certainly help. They're off today. Um, They're not practicing. They're going to start practicing um, tomorrow for the week. So we'll see what his, uh, you know, his practice is looking like. I would be surprised if he practiced at all, if it's really just to to rest him. But guys, like, do you feel like he should even play? I mean, this is Christian McCaffrey. This is a guy who, as we just mentioned last year, they gave up a lot to get him. He, we know how important he is to the 49ers, like playoff hopes, getting in that deep run and all of that. So, like, do you feel like this injury, which, you know, we know little about right now, could maybe, like, jeopardize, like, his full season? And if so, like, wouldn't you want to keep him out? I mean, if they felt like it would jeopardize his season, yeah. But I I feel like the Niners know what we don't know. And I don't know if that's part of their game plan for this game. And, I mean, they don't have to disclose it as of yet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't, they have time. There's a deadline where they have to disclose certain information to say he's questionable or he's doubtful or or things like that. Now, if we get the doubtful message, he ain't playing. Like, yeah. John, that's just it. Now, if we get the questionable with the extra day, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to suit up, show out, and show up and show out. Like, I just think that's who he is. That's who he is mentally. He's played with less type of injury. I just think he got hit in the ribs. It probably bruised it a little bit, and it just hurt on on Sunday. Like, it, it hurt a lot. Um, but let's see. If it's pain tolerance and that's the message that they're sending, maybe he does play. Should the Niners play him? That's If that's the question you're asking me, that's, that's a tough one because you want to bounce back and you want to rebound. The, you, you don't want to lose two in a row. No, and uh, man, Shanahan, that dude's the Riddler when it comes to injuries, man. Jeez. That dude just, he, he don't want to let anything out there. And so, again, the question, what will happen? I think CMC's playing. I really, really do. I, I don't, the fact that he tried to go back in after the half, the, the fact that he was stretching on the sidelines, I think CMC's playing. The record, which Steph, you've been on top of since day one for the amount of touchdowns in a row, that's on there. This is an NFC game. I'm sorry. I think CMC's playing. Debo's a whole nother thing, but I fully expect CMC will he get the full workload. Should he play? That's another thing. I think CMC 23 is going to be out there this week. Yeah. I I so I was wondering about the record, right? I mm-hmm. thought it would be in jeopardy if he doesn't play because the record is consecutive games right. with so touchdowns. He, so I, I thought know. he would need to be in the game for that record to stay in place. 
I found out that no, like it's consecutive games that he's played in, so he doesn't necessarily. It won't need count to for play. me. He won't lose. <laughs> yeah, right. Like asterisk next to the record if he gets it. No, but um, you know, so that if that is CMC's reason for wanting to be out there, which I don't think that's the only reason. I think Christian no. McCaffrey is like a very competitive dude, and he wants to be out there so bad. I mean, you saw he was hurting, and he still went out there to try to play. Like a, he did. Yeah, and he, he lasted one one play, um, but it just shows you like the toughness and how badly he wants to be out there. So I think that's more so the thing. And what I don't want is Christian McCaffrey to downplay, you know, the injury either. I don't want him to be like, no, no, I'm fine, knowing that he is hurting. But he's like, no, no, I'm fine. I could do it. I could gut it out. That's when the 49ers need to kind of, you know, step in and protect him from himself. But at the same time, if Christian McCaffrey is not being honest with like how he's feeling with the injury, that's that's a tough spot, too, because then the 49ers are like, oh, OK, like you you feel better. All right. We're going to let you play them. Kyle's going to play him. And if nothing showed up on the X-rays or MRIs, which we don't know about the MRI, this is he is trying to cement his Hall of Fame status. This is his year. He's been Offensive Player of the Year once before. I think he's the leading candidate for Offensive Player of the Year. Again, him and Tyreek Hill are kind of the odds-on favorites for that. You miss a game, that's going to change. Like, this is the most competitive human being possibly in the entire NFL from the family down. When he was in high school, the dude was a monster. You could not get him out of the line. I'm telling you right now, CMC is going to be out there. I just... I'm sorry. Like I, I don't know if there's a bet on this, but I would bet if the if the MRI came back and said crack ribs, maybe not. But or but it didn't. The, the X-ray didn't show that. The MRI, that's tissues and all this other ligament, whatever else. That dude gonna play. He's gonna play this week. I, I'd stake whatever it takes on there. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and again, if it's a pain tolerance issue, as long as there's no risk of you know, further damaging the area or any risk of aggravation, anything like that, then, you know, if I'm the 49ers, I feel fine, like, letting him play as long as, like, they can manage the the pain for him, which, you know, I think they got stuff for that. So <laughs> I think uh, he will be out there on Monday night. The extra day of rest definitely helps. As far as Debo Samuel and Trent Williams with their respective injuries, it seems like, you know, the extra day is going to help them out as well. They were day-to-day, so I would assume that both of those guys are going to be available. Their, you know, practice throughout the week will probably be, you know, a little spotty just because, you know, these are two vets at this point. You don't need to really – those guys don't need to practice to be out there on Monday night. But I would bet on those guys playing too. So the 49ers did seem to dodge a bullet after um, you know some of those injuries that they suffered on Sunday. So that's good. But let's get into this uh, matchup just a little bit more uh, with the Vikings. Speaking of uh, blitzing and, and putting pressure on Brock, which we discussed earlier, the Vikings defense blitz more than any other team in the league, 33.2% of the time. So... We're going to find Flores, out. If, baby. Yeah, man, the Brian Flores special. We're going to find out if Brock Purdy can bounce back. And I don't know about you guys. I'm assuming you guys feel good about it, too. I feel good about Brock Purdy bouncing back, not just because, like, we're we're assuming that he's going to have Trent and, and Debo out there. I almost, like, I almost wish 
this is going to sound weird, but I almost wish that one of them wasn't playing because everyone always uses the excuse of, oh, well, like Purdy can't do it without these guys. He can't, he can't do it without Christian McCaffrey. Look what it, it look, they lost a game without him. I know, I know. It's just, it's just for like argument's sake. Um, I'm glad that they're going to be out there, presumably. Um, but, you know, I do think that Brock Purdy bounces back and despite him, you know, what we could assume is going to be blitzed a lot and pressured a lot. I think he's going to come out and he's going to deliver much like we saw in that game against the Giants. I think he's going to be on point. I think with it being prime time, I think the whole team is going to be on point because they know everyone's watching. We got to make people forget. We got to let people know that game on Sunday. That's not us. That's not us. So I think the team that we see Monday night is more reflective of the team that we're going to see. And we have seen uh, this season. I agree 1000%. Right. And so you look at Brock Purdy against the blitz. I mean, this game, again, you have to attest to the factors of he's never seen this defense before. (laughs) He's never even played this team before. And then you look at it like that and you say, dang, they were coming at him differently than what the giants do. And I don't think, I, I just don't feel, even though I know Minnesota is going to blitz, they're just not the same bl- built type of a defense, right? They're not going to get the pressure up from the middle, which to me is the quarterback's Achilles. Like, really good quarterbacks struggle against the pressure in your face. Tom Brady being the number one quarterback that would struggle when there was pressure in his face. You blitz from the side, that ball's coming out. You blitz from right in his face, he's going to struggle or whatever. But I think Brock having that game said all that to say Brock having that game Brock chalking up another game as experience and more stuff taking in more knowledge to wait I'm watching this film dang I could have did this thing I gave up three sacks wait a minute my line didn't give up three sacks. I put my line in a bad position to where people felt like they gave up the sacks now nah, this was on me I tell you what I'm gonna be a little better and so for me that right there Brock's moxie I feel I feel sorry for the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't feel sorry at the same time, but Brock's moxie right there is number one. His play is going to be a lot better than it was against the Cleveland Browns, even with the blitz. And I think the 49ers are going to be just fine moving forward. I'm telling you, the Browns, the I feel like the injuries mentally kind of like confused the head coach and the play of the offense. It was just like, oh, snap, what do we do? Ray Ray's out here, next man up. Oh, then he... Runs right into Trent Williams, like, on a screen. That can't happen. That looked like bad news bears. It was football. wide open, too, man. It was set wide. up perfectly. John, the ball was going yeah. for 76 yards. I'm making yeah. up that number, but it was going for a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, But that's the stuff that's not going to happen. And one more thing before I let John take this over. If D- I'm, When you said you hope that Debo doesn't play, I, 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 I disagree, but I understand. Now, I, I, I don't, I, I didn't mean like I hope no, no, he no. doesn't play. No, like, no, no, I, you, don't, you know what I was trying to say. Right. This is where I'm saying, like, if he's not going to play, then just don't be a part of the game plan. Because now Kyle can plan with the pieces that he has. I think the fact that he was planning for Debo to play and then he ended up leaving, it was hard to, to you know, refigure, configure things out right there on the fly. And I think if Brock knows Ray Ray's in the game, he knows how to get the ball to Ray Ray. He knows that he knows Ray Ray's tendency. It's a little different. So that's what I meant by I kind of get like, if they're not going to play, then just don't play. But if they're going to play, expect Brock to go hamburger and cheese. And like, Several things. Well said, as always, Wayne. We know Kyle Shanahan's a 
affection or whatever, his love for Kirk Cousins. He loves that man. And if you're Brock Purdy, this is the one guy that can shorten your term at quarterback for the 49ers. You got to go out there. Like, this is your competition. Kirk Cousins, last year of his deal. You continue to put up games like you did last week, which he's only had one bad game. But if that continues, Kirk Cousins auditioning out there. They're like he's playing for next year. He wants to come to the 49ers. And I'm the big I'm the most anti-Kirk Cousins dude on my team ever. I get he's a good human, whatever. I don't care. I don't want that dude just because he's soft in prime time. And we're gonna get to see that. This defense, the Vikings, yeah, they blitz a lot. They're not good. They don't have the talent. You played back to back very, very good defense in the Cowboys and um the Browns. It's a whole different, <coughs> excuse me, ball game against this team. It's just different. So establish who you are, do your thing, and, you know, get Kittle involved. If, if somebody's out, yeah. you got the star, use the freaking stud. I, I'm not too concerned about this game. I'm really, really not. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins in primetime. I have, I'm going to put my kids through college betting against Kirk Cousins in primetime. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's just a guarantee okay. every freaking time. I hear you. And, and 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 I'm not overlooking the Vikings. That's not what I'm doing or we're doing or whatever because we're allowed to do that though, Wayne. We're allowed to do that. We're yeah, just, I'm, we're I'm, just not, fans here. I'm I'm not overlooking them. Like, I mean, because Kirk Cousins is going to put up numbers. So let's not act like he's not gonna put up 300 plus yards, possibly. Because that's what he, he doesn't does. have Justin Jefferson. He doesn't have Justin, but that's just what he does. Like, that's what he does. I don't I just know Kirk is going to play Kirk football. There's going to be a few turnovers. There's going to, he plays well against the Niners. So I don't know if we want to have that conversation, but yeah, go back and look. He plays well against the 49ers. So let's, I'm just going to keep it a buck. Now, I do want to address some stuff out there because it is the coach's job to have his team prepared for any possible scenario. But you guys mm -hmm. got to factor in the shell shock. And I'm not giving Kyle Shanahan a pass, but when you're shell shocked because you're missing, one of your key pieces components to your offense, and then you lose another key component to your offense, and then the players aren't executing what you're calling. Eh, like we, he can adjust all he wants, but at the end of the day, those guys got to go out there and execute, and that's where they were failing. And so, to me, I feel like the 49ers in that locker room, defensively, offensively, head coaching, other coaches, they all said, We effed up, we need to fix it. That's what they're doing right now, and I guarantee you to be fly, firing on all cylinders. Oh yeah, you're you're gonna see a Nailed 49ers it. team that's gonna come out like trying to overcorrect everything that they did wrong, uh, <laughs> you know, we? on Sunday, right? Yeah. So that's scary for for the Vikings. And I agree, you know, like Kirk Cousins, he he's a good quarterback. You know, no matter what John says about him in prime time, that is facts though he does oh, he struggle in prime time, time but oh, yeah. he has had some good games against the 49ers he's gonna you know try to air it out there will be some picks in there too because we just know like that is part of his game too i'll just mention this like going to the uh vikings defense we already mentioned that justin jefferson is going to be out for them on offense now marcus davenport is not going to be out there for them he's on lost. defense either and you know they've already been pretty bad middle of the pack not the worst in the league but if you look at their record at home, they're 0-3 at home. And in those three games, their defense has allowed opposing quarterbacks to complete 75% of their passes, 860 combined yards passing, uh, eight total touchdowns, and they haven't had any interceptions. So 
I think this is a good sign for, for Brock Purdy in this game and for the offense to, you know, have a bounce back in this one. Yeah, their secondary is weak. Too weak. And that's what you got to take advantage of. And what have we been watching Brock Purdy do? Throw the ball down the field. Get the ball down the field. And so even in the, the pass game, that the two passes that could have probably possibly went for touchdowns, Brock is still looking to get the ball down the field. Now, I don't think the pressure will be the same. They will try to disguise, blitz, exotic, do whatever they got to do to throw Brock off his rocker. But listen, I think Brock will be back. He'll be fine. And he's going to attack down the field. So this should be a good game for George Kittle. It should be a good game for some of these other 49er studs and stars. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, look, wake up, honey. We got new Debo Samuel interview on K Adams. You know, there's going to be some good stuff on there because he's been beefing uh, with, uh, I forget, Gardner Johnson. Yeah. And it, I don't know why like that even came about. But anyway, you guys check that out after this. Um, and we're, we're ready to call it for this show. Make sure that you guys like this video, subscribe to the channel, not just my channel, but if you're watching on my channel, check out John, check out Wayne. The links to their channel are in the description of my video. So make sure you show love to all three of our channels. We really appreciate it. Make sure if you're an audio listener, you leave a rating, you leave a review, really appreciate it. But look, for now, guys, have a good rest of your Wednesday. All right, peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.